Well, in the digital world, the shelves aren't fixed and the shelves are infinite and the shelves can move up and down. And now we can have little brands say, hey, I'm a beverage company and I just want to target this niche of customers, right? Or, hey, I'm a, a women's health company. I want to target the specific niche. That woman's health company is not going to pay the dollars to be the top shelf of a physical storefront across thousands of thousands of stores. It's very expensive. That, that's only why you see Budweiser and Coors Light and all those occupying that, that shelf space. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Socrates Rosenfeld, CEO and co-founder of Jane Technologies. Sock, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Doing well, brother. Great to, uh, great to be on with you and Brian and Kellen, man. Glad to connect. And for the record, your location. Sunny Santa Cruz, California. It's, it's a warm day today. So you guys Shut are up. feeling on the East Coast, though, now. Yeah, shout out to Kellen for another West Coaster hat. But I I think the scale still remains on the East Coast. So, Sock, can we get a little background about you for our listeners who are unfamiliar? Sure. Um, I grew up in in Boston, uh, so East Coast roots. Uh, Now live in Santa Cruz. I um, was in the Army for a while, uh, from eighteen to thirty. I was uh, I flew helicopters in the Army. Um, Got out of the service, went back home to Boston to go to grad school. And it was the first time I actually consumed cannabis. Um, it helped me really come back home fully, find my balance, connect with my loved ones, and ultimately uh, set me on a path to heal uh, from my time in the military. And then, you know, we all have healing to do growing up, et cetera. Um, became very, very passionate about the plant uh, during my time at, at grad school at MIT. I uh, graduated, met my co-founders there, along with my brother, who's an engineer. And we, we all shared a real passion for the plant and what it was doing, not only for myself, but other veterans and people that we, we, we knew. Um, the more research we did, the more we discovered that this plant was actually helping people. And um, shifted out to Silicon Valley, did some consulting for, uh, for tech companies, all the while thinking about how could we help this industry that was just starting out in 2015, 2016. And our big push was... Uh, was um, making shopping online for cannabis as good or if not better than shopping online for anything else in this world. And then we, we decided to go and do it and um, launched the product in 2017 of April and haven't looked back since, man. It's been a trip of a lifetime, truly. Um, and now, you know, about 180 employees. We power about 3,000 operators in the industry and, uh, you know, continuing the mission to provide access to a plant that helps a lot of people. Any hesitation to take your background and credentials from where you were and then move into the cannabis space? You know, there was an initial like, what am I doing with my life kind of deal? You know, I went to, you know, these quote unquote prestigious universities. I was consulting for this company, this firm called McKinsey. And I, number one, I want to start my own company, which was crazy because I'm, you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm consultant was the closest thing I got to, to business. Uh, and then on top of that, to do it in a federally illegal um, industry. And at the time, it was pretty... Uh, it was uncertain of like, hey, am I going to go to jail for this? But really, what, what drove me, Brian, was um, the truth. And uh, when you taste the truth, when you feel it, and I felt it with cannabis, that this helped me. 
And the more I, people I talked to who used this plant as a medicine, it helped them out. After that, it, everything was simple. And it said, oh, cool, this is where I want to go. And we'll see what happens with my career. We'll see what happens you know, with the le- legality of this. But at the end of the day, um, what matters is pursuing the truth, in my opinion. And uh, for me, the truth was, hey, this plant helps people. And, and I wanted to do some part helping have this plant reach the mainstream. And uh, that, that passion hasn't stopped. And in fact, it's, um, you know, I have a lot of team members here at HQ uh, for an offsite, onsite, and they share that exact same passion. People who I have never even actually met, uh, they're here signed up for that same mission. So it's, it's fun. And so, yeah, I don't think about it too much anymore. It's all about the mission now and pursue, pursuit of the truth. I'm a, I want to dive a little bit into kind of the inception of uh, yeah. the idea. Was that yeah. uh, originated from kind of some of the, the stigma that's associated with actually going to a dispensary and walking in there to actually go pick out the cannabis? Were you thinking like, hey, we create this platform where you can, from the comfort of your own house, go through, explore all the products, and then kind of like help curb that cultural stigma associated with getting your feet wet with cannabis? You, you know, um, I was first exposed to cannabis in California where it was, you know, it, mainstream. Yeah, relatively mainstream. That was a consideration, Kellen. Really, what it was, though, was I was, um, I was a sorry consultant. And I say that, you know, tongue in cheek a little bit. You know, flying out Monday morning, sometimes Sunday afternoons, because, you know, why not to go to some meeting? And I'm out, you know, in the hotel. I get back on Thursday night. And man, I had no time. So everything was like, cool, I got to book a flight. I'm going to do that from my phone. I got to find a place to stay. Cool, I'm going to get on Airbnb. I need to buy like a you know, set of headphones. Cool, I'm going on Amazon, right? Or I got to get a, a, a meal for my team. Cool, I'm going on DoorDash. Everything I was doing as a consumer gave me this, this sense of purchasing power, right? I could search for stuff broad or specific. I could re- get read like real reviews from people who stayed at the Airbnb house. They're like, how helpful is that? I could read reviews from people who are like using their, the same headphones that I was going to purchase and hear their real verified review. You could get recommendations from algorithms that knew exactly who I was and how I shopped. And so, you know, I could, you could compare by price. You could decide what delivery time you wanted. All those things. I was like, my God, this is so convenient. And then I would come home on the weekends and I would try to purchase cannabis online. It was like I was back in 1998, you know, with MapQuest and Ask Jeeves. It was, it was uh, pretty archaic and, um, and, and, and no fault to the industry. It just, you know, it was, it, it, the regulations didn't allow for it. And now we timed it. We get lucky with timing that states like Colorado and Oregon and Washington, and California started opening up and we made this, this bet, this hypothesis that the people in 2022, 2023 and beyond would expect, not want, but expect a online shopping experience that replicated that of any other platform that you use to buy anything online. And, and we set forth to do that. Easier said than done, I'll say, because, and I won't nerd out with you guys just yet, but like the data is really dirty and the integrations were lacking. And, um, you know, thank God for the team that we have, particularly my, my brother who came out of MIT and knew how to connect systems 
And that was the issue that had plagued the industry for a long while was like, you had this software system and this software system and that one, nothing was connected. And that's why you, as a consumer, you couldn't really have the seamless experience. Well, we, you know, think of Jane as kind of that connected tissue that brings all these disparate systems together on a single platform to allow consumers to find any product that they want, to search however they want, to compare by price, to re-verify reviews, to get the curated, personalized recommendations. And uh, we're just getting started, man. But um, yeah, that's how, that's how it got started. It's more about convenience. But now that you say that, Kellen, as well, was like, now we have you know people like my mother who were very intimidated walking into a dispensary and now can do the research, read about how consumers um, r- relate to, to a certain product, find out her delivery times, read about the store, and then place place an order, um, which is really really exciting to see. So um, it, it's great, and it's you know, I, I, I will uh, I'll ramble just for a little bit longer. Is um, in in researching the other software platforms out there, um, and I'm not trying to throw shade, but it, it uh, and I won't name any specifically, but usually it's the tech platform, and I'm not talking about cannabis specific. I'm talking about outside of cannabis. It's usually you see the tech platform, quote unquote, win. And everybody else loses. The restaurants lose. The brands lose, right? So, uh, so on and so forth. And we made a promise to ourselves that we love and respect this plant too much to gouge retailers and brands or undercut them or withhold data or all that, in my opinion, bad business practice. We said, hey, let, let's get rid of that. Let's take care of our, our, um, our partners here. And then We'll see what happens. Uh, but really what we want to do is continue to, to get big, continue to gain more market share, but do it in a way that we can prove to the world. Technology and analog can actually work together rather than technology eating the analog business and getting rid of the analog business, i.e. ghost kitchens, right? It's not, that's not helping restaurants out. Uh, and that's not what we're ever going to do because we want to take care of this plant. And the best way we know how to do it is take care of the retailers and brands who sell it. Before we dive into iHeart, Jane, I want to stay with the original of the business plan. Given your background, I'm sure it was detailed and tactful. And unfortunately, in cannabis, there are obstacles everywhere. So yeah. when you first got started, is is the company the way you had foresaw it? Have we pivoted in which direction? And what obstacle kind of led you in those moments of, of taking that hard right pivot? That's a great question. And it's a great, yeah, it's just building on what, I, what we were talking about just now. Um, we, we, we were anchored by the DoorDashes and the, uh, you know, the Amazons of the world where we thought, you know, the only place where consumers can go to shop is at this, these aggregated marketplaces, right? But what we quickly realized was that if we wanted to be good partners to our stores, then we actually had to make the shopping experience at the specific store's online ecosystem as good, in my opinion, should be better than our, our marketplace. Because we really wanted to take care of them, ultimately. Because uh, um, quite frankly, number one, we thought it was the right thing to do with our, with our thesis and our vision of kind of bringing the supply side into our marketplace. But number two, that's where people find their cannabis, is at their local store. Right, I'm sure you guys have it. Telling you're out in Colorado, yeah. Brian, coming to you soon, man. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. But you got you got a local guy, I'm sure. Uh, right, like there's a sell. There's a hey, I'm connected to my seller. It's like a grocery store. You go local. Like I have my local New Leaf here in Santa Cruz that I know the aisles and I know all that stuff. 
Um, so we initially, when we launched, we didn't have any software to help the first party ecosystem for that store, their website. And now we, we really, I wouldn't call it a pivot, but we reshifted our focus to say, hey, let's go be the digital infrastructure for these retailers and brands. So now we have things like in-store kiosks and headless e-commerce, and we're doing some very interesting things with digital merchandising for the brands. That will always uh, be the case. And that was, a, that was a, a wonderful learning for us. We felt very lucky to have that learning up front. Say, hey, you're not just building a marketplace for Jane. You're building software to enable thousands and thousands of retailers. And I'm, I'm grateful that we heard that lesson loud and clear. And um, that was very early on. So that was, a, I think, a pretty pivotal moment in, in the company's evolution. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that. So let's kind of dive into some of the specifics. Can you give us, from a high-level perspective, the value that Jane brings to the cannabis industry? Good question. I should probably like have some stock answer lined up. I don't. It's um, better that you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, so let's let's break it down. Um, for stores, retailers, right? What we provide for them is a, an automated e-commerce system where they can take. On average, a store has about 700 SKUs that sits on their that sit on their uh, dispensary store shelves. We'll take all that merchandise, we'll cleanse it, meaning we'll standardize the taxonomy. Here's the serving size, here's the category, here's the lineage, et cetera. We'll put content around it, photos, descriptions directly from the brands, and then we'll load that up. This is all happening in real time. We'll load that up onto a menu uh, for their website. Um, and we'll also take their merchandise and we'll push it to Leafly. We'll push it to different points of online order origination, our own app, et cetera. And these stores don't have to do anything uh, uh, about it. So that's our, our kind of core value prop to the store. In addition to that, we can tell them exactly how their products move and perform. Not a brand, not a category, but a specific individual skew. We could say, you know, hey, people buy these SKUs this often, you know, watermelon flavored, fill in the blank, gummy brand, um, their price sensitivity, they're willing to spend X amount for this. If people who buy this also buy this product, so you, you might want to bundle that stuff. We're trying to take data that, you know, has, you need a McKinsey consultant to break down and automatically transform that into actionable insights for these stores to take action on. Um, for brands, we um, allow the brands to automate their content. So they'll update their new photo or description of their new product, and that will permeate across 3,000 store menus automatically. So don't have to send a store like, hey, use our new photo, use our new logo, use this asset. It'll, it'll be automatic. In addition to that, what we allow for them to do is digitally merchandise their products, meaning you walk down like a, a grocery store snack aisle and you see like Lay's potato chips at eye level every time. That's a, that's a shelving slotting fee, they call it. Well, now we can do, digitize that. So we can take all the brands out here and we can push them up to the top of the menu or eye level for Brian, right? Because we know Brian is gluten-free and he loves edibles and he shops edibles 14 times, a, a, you know, whatever, a year. Well, guess what? When Brian sees a menu, we'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Add a zero on that. We'll we'll um, we'll take that brand who wants to advertise to people like Brian, and we'll push that up to good you know decision points across the the buying behavior. That's wonderful for the brand. Drives conversion way up, over four hundred percent increase in conversion. 
it returns on their investment on average about $7 for every dollar spent on our program. We'll give them back $7 in the form of a sale. You want to say and, that one more time? Yeah. So $1 invested into the program on average spits back $7 back to the brand in the form of a sale. So this is a, you could call it an arbitrage. And we can actually prove this out with our data because we can watch how customers shop and we're like, hey, we showed them this product and they actually bought it. And to be very clear, it's not like I don't really consume extracts, uh, you know, live resin and things like that. So I'll never see an advertisement for live resin, right? But Kellen, who might be really into dabs, when he sees a menu, that's what that's what we'll show. So we're trying to get more and more curated. Our goal is to be more personalized than Spotify is for your music. Um, so that's the goal. We have a long way to go, but good, good, good early start there. And then lastly, for the consumer, what we're able to do is exactly what we talked about, right? We give them purchasing power. We give them education. We give them verified reviews. We have over a million verified reviews from customers all over the country talking about specific products that you're looking at. Um, we're going to have personalization and a curated playlist of products specific just for you. There's going to be some very interesting things that we're going to bring to market here uh, over the next year or two in terms of just connecting consumers with the brands that they love um, and the stores that they love. And that's all we're trying to do. Think of Jane kind of, again, just being that invisible tissue that's connecting the store with the customer and the customer with the brand, et cetera, et cetera. So um, th those are the value props, uh, or at least the core value propositions that, that we bring to the, the industry. And um, again, we're just getting started, man. So it's a lot of fun. That personalized experience, I think, is going to be so invaluable because for me, I'm an edible purchaser, right? So I can imagine right. what Juana or Wild would be willing to pay because I'm there to purchase edibles, right? I am here to purchase edibles. And if they can be positioned first and they have like maybe a slight sale, boom, it's going to go in the car and I'm 100% going to do that. And we talk about like brand loyalty and how it's still so new, you know, yep. establishing that current presence and locking down those early consumers. People make those decisions, they find a product they like, and they likely will continue to, to try those products in the future. So I can't even imagine, you know, how that conversation with them go on as we're talking about trying to establish, you know, brand, brand staying power over the future. Exactly. And, you know, you go, go back to that grocery store aisle. That, that shelf doesn't move and that shelf is fixed. And so you, you only have one brand that can occupy that space. And let's say I walk down the aisle and I hate potato chips, right? Uh, which is a lie. Who doesn't like potato chips? But like, let's say you love popcorn or pretzels. Well, man, I can't find my popcorn or pretzels because it's not at eye level. It's not as convenient for me. The store doesn't get the sale. The brand just wasted money advertising. Well, in the digital world, the shelves aren't fixed and the shelves are infinite and the shelves can move up and down. And now we can have little brands say, hey, I'm a beverage company and I just want to target this niche of customers, right? Or, hey, I'm a, a women's health company. I want to target the specific niche. That women's health company is not going to pay the dollars to be the top shelf of a physical storefront across thousands and thousands of stores. It's very expensive. That, that's only why you see Budweiser and Coors Light and all those occupying that, that shelf space. We're trying to optimize that so that we can optimize the ROI for that brand. We can optimize the conversion for the store and we can optimize the experience for the customer. So it's not just fixed and you don't just see the Budweiser of cannabis at eye level everywhere you go. That's, that's all we're trying to do. And we think um, 
We think we, we have the, the right infrastructure, the right kind of data cleanliness to be able to do this. And we're proving this out to the market. It's, it's, it's really exciting, man. I think the other thing is, is uh, your software travels, right? So say I'm a big brand yeah. in Nevada and I'm looking to expand in uh, a new market like New Jersey, instead of having to go put boots on the ground and get into all these dispensaries and play that kind of shelf space game, they already have a relationship with you. They give your team a call and it's pretty seamless, correct? Bingo. One of the challenges that we've heard is that walking into a dispensary, the bud tender consumer relationship is so paramount. Obviously, Very. shopping online, there's no bud tender. So how does your team kind of help alleviate those challenges for a consumer who thinks they know what they want, but it just really has no idea? Yes. Great question. So a few things on that. Number one, most bud tenders are pretty... It's a, it's a pretty special role if you think about it. You ever, I, I don't drink anymore. Um, but it'd be not too dissimilar to go, and it's different because alcohol, in my opinion, is not a medicine. But it, it, like, no one's going to a, a bartender and be like, "Hey, man, I'm having trouble sleeping. Like, can you can you help me?" You <laughs> I mean, know? They, they uh, might. It just not, might. It might be the right <laughs> yeah, way to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you might get to sleep. You're not gonna have a great time waking up. But no. um, uh, but here you have a bud tender that's like working retail, which if you've ever worked retail is not easy. Plus, you have to have product knowledge to help a consumer decide on their well-being, right? Not like, hey, does this shirt look good on me? It's like, hey, I, uh, I have arthritis. What's the product that's going to help relieve my pain and make me feel okay, right? Um, and we're, we're talking like surface of there's more heavier conditions. So a butt tender needs to be prepped with that. So what we want to do is take our software and actually empower butt tenders to make really smart recommendations based on data, um, right? So there's no reason why, you know, if Brian, you walk into the store and I'm a bud tender, I'm using Jane's software and you check in, I can be like, cool, here's Brian's shopping history. Here's his favorite brands. And now Jane's going to help me create this curated list of products that I can inform and educate Brian with, right? Like that's pretty powerful. So by no means are we thinking, Hey, let's get let's technology should replace the bud tender. Uh, we think the technology should augment and empower the bud tender and make even smarter personalized recommendations. If you're going pure online, man, you guys use Spotify. Love Spotify. Right, we love we love Spotify. Not just because we play our our favorite Kendrick Kendrick Lamar song, but when I play Kendrick, and I say, "Hey, make me a radio station off this," right, or I like it. And now they're going to build playlists off this. Like, that's why we keep coming back. And cannabis, and I've said this before, so apologies if I, if I repeat myself, but I, I kind of, I, I don't know, I dig this um, analogy, but cannabis is less like alcohol, more like music, right? If you and I drink a Coors Light, we're just going to, I don't have, I have zero tolerance. So I, if I drink half a can of Coors Light, I wouldn't be able to, to drive. But um, we kind of feel the same way, right? But if you consume Santa Cruz uh, Veterans Alliance grown kosher kush, really, really rich in mercine, and I consume it, then we're going to react to it differently, right? And so I want to have as a consumer that real personalization to say, you know, I love this product or actually, no, it did not help me go to sleep. Give me anxiety. Show me something else. That's what we're trying to build. And we think we can, we are best positioned to do that because we've seen 
50, 60, 70 million orders go through our system and we, we can connect those dots. And so let us build these playlists for you. And that, that will be coming here very, very soon, not only just for our marketplace, but now put it in the hands of the bud tender and put it on the actual stores online menu. We think that's pretty cool. And uh, we're excited to bring that to market here soon. I think that's kind of underrated in the importance it's needed for mass adoption because yeah. you speak to people here, at least around me, they've had previous experience with cannabis. A lot of them have had bad experiences because they got anxious and they're yep. even unaware that there are other products out there that aren't going to do that. They just assume this is what cannabis is because this is their experience. And they're almost hesitant to consider trying again without that fear because they had such a poor experience. So if we can get there, it would be such an unlocker for for mass amount of people. And I always go back to my mom who calls it, is this scary pot? And it's like, mom, like, I hope not. Like nobody wants to see Oh it. man. Is that, uh, is that Ben's aunt? That's Ben's aunt. Yeah. That's oh shout, shout out to, shout out to Ben. <laughs> shout out to Ben. Shout out to Ben's aunt, your mom. But that's it. She doesn't listen, but thanks for that. <laughs> All right. What is one challenge operating in the cannabis space that would shock or surprise the outside industry? Ooh, it shocked me. I, I entered this space in 2015. No idea what I was doing. And I was so blessed to be able to meet guys like Dennis Perone and Steve D'Angelo and uh, Val down here in, in Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz Veterans Alliance. And um, the reason why I feel very lucky to have done that is they were the founders of this legal industry. They were the ones getting arrested. They were the ones getting beat up by cops. They were the ones getting ostracized by society to fight. Like Dennis Perone was a Vietnam veteran who fought for the right for his um, uh, uh, folks who were essentially uh, were, were dying of AIDS to give them some relief. Uh, on their way into you know into the next chapter, and he won thirty years ago. And no, like you go into any um, store right now, and you're like, "Hey, who's Dennis Perone?" They don't even know. So what was surprising to me was how quickly. And yes, cannabis is a CPG item, and I I get it. We got to package this up for the mainstream. I get it. But let's not forget that what we're not selling cheeseburgers, we're not selling Pepsi Cola. Dude, this is a plant, and it's a plant that helps a lot of people. It's a medicine. It's been a medicine for millennia. I, I, we don't have to get on our high horse and like do this because there's no way you know you know this is going to make it into the mainstream. But I think there's a way to get it into the mainstream without losing our our sense of spirit, the spirit of the industry, the spirit of the plant, and those who know know. And um, you know, we 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 remain committed to that at Jane. To make sure that we we do not forget what we are selling and and, our, and why we're here, because if you lose sight of that, man, you turn out like every other industry, and it's just going to whittle down to how cheap can we make this product and push it onto people when the plant won't let that happen, in my opinion. Um, and so those that realize that and protect the integrity of the plant are, are the ones we want to partner with. But I, I've been surprised of. Like people just don't care about that or, or just not knowledgeable about it. And um, I hope they do educate themselves before they take a step into this industry because it's, it's a special industry and we don't want to lose that. In the military, you are trained to minimize uncertainty. In cannabis, everything is uncertain. Mm. How do you balance both sides? Let go. 
I dabbled in psychedelics. And um, if you've ever been on a psychedelic trip, a real, like a real one, <laughs> you realize that shit gets very uncertain, right? You're like, whoa, I, uh, and sorry for swearing, but your mom's not listening anyway. So it's okay. Yeah, we, it's um, uh, but the, the more you dwell on the uncertainty and obsess about it and try to make the uncertain certain, you're going to go crazy. Uh, and the more you let go of the uncertainty, because uncertainty is just assumptions for the future. What is this? What if that? What about this? What about that? You're doing that. Cool. There's a time and place for that. Like, all right, guys, we're going to put together a plan. Cool. Now let's live in the future and game plan, and, but not have it buzzing in the back of your head 24 seven. Right. So I, I, and it's a practice, man. Some days are better than others where I've just learned to just not believe what's in my head with all the uncertainty and the what is, and just be here, be here on this podcast with you on my next meeting, be there, right? If I'm talking about product, let me be there. Um, cause too much in this world is like, just, Hey, what about this in the future? And that, so uh, I guess, yeah, plant medicine has taught me to let go. And that's how I've been dealing with uncertainty. Um, not, not, not turn away, not ignore it, but embrace it. You're like, yeah, cool. I have no idea. People ask me all the time. What, what, how's Jane going to turn out? You know, I, I will actually say, sorry, man, for rambling, but this is Dude. what I do. No. Um, <laughs> they, they taught me this at business school. And I thought it was the, I'm going to say, I thought it was dumb. Okay. They said, Every entrepreneur needs to know what their exit is before they get in the game. Okay, that's crazy to me. That's like, yeah, cool. I'm going to do this podcast. And this is exactly how I'm going to end. This is how it's going to wrap up. How boring is that? Like, well, we're going to start a company to IPO. What about the in-between? That's where the beauty is. So in my opinion is don't worry about the exit. Worry about the mission. What do you want to do for this world? Focus on that and be able to dance with the lefts and the rights and the ups and the downs to get there. That's the dance. It's never a straight line, right? We've all seen that weird graphic on Reddit. It's the truth. And so um, letting go is a practice. Practice. Let go, let go, let go. So that's what I've been trying to, to practice. And again, some days are better than others. But yeah, letting go, man, is, uh, is fun, scary, and exciting. And, but it's certainly not boring. And if I told you, my, my sister just had a baby. Shout out to Marcelo, my nephew. Congratulations. Thanks, man. It was the easiest job I ever had to do. Um, you're, uh, you're an uncle. I'm an uncle. It's a great position <laughs> to play on the team, really. Um, my, my brother, who's an uncle too, he says, it's like being uh, the guy like eighth on the bench for the Golden State Warriors. You, you get, get the ring. ring. You're in the game. <laughs> Maybe you play a couple minutes, but that's it. And you're good, right? Um, but, but anyways, you know, it, if, if I asked Al, hey, how's it going to turn out for Marcelo? What a ridiculous question, right? That's, the, that's what life is all about, is the, the uncertain dance of it all. So play with it. Enjoy it. And don't let it overwhelm you. And then when it starts to do that, just let go and be here. This is a beautiful place to be most of the time. So yeah, that's my, that's my soapbox. Sorry, man. But that's, that's how I deal with it. Before we do predictions, we ask all of our guests, if you could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation, what would it be? The journey is the reward. And the journey is inward. And uh, yeah, that's it. 
All right, prediction time. Sock, five years from now, what do you see cannabis e-commerce landscape looking like? Every single store has the ability to create a custom online experience as easily as they do as direct-to-consumer sellers have with Shopify. Um, There is a very large aggregated app that is welcoming new mainstream customers into uh, the industry and pushing them down to the local retailers. Brands will have a direct relationship with individual consumers. It will be able to leverage that relationship, I'll say. And uh, one thing I hope doesn't change is this, the flower. I hope it stays good and better. Uh, and we're not just chasing THC, but we can actually come back to our roots and create really nice full bodied flower that I've been enjoying here in Santa Cruz, California for a very long time. Um, yeah, that's where I, I, I think it is. Sorry, that was kind of a cop-out answer, but... That's fine. Kellen? Um, I think it's going to look almost identical to your standard um, shopping experience now. Um, I know Stock mentioned getting earbuds on Amazon or ordering food on DoorDash. I think that you will be able to potentially order... Um, items from a DoorDash or an Uber Eats. And I think Amazon will probably get involved with the last mile as far as shipping it. And you'll see this kind of, uh, I think, kind of almost like a a fork in the road where there'll be consumers that prefer shopping from specific dispensaries and and those kind of items, right? Almost like your 7-Elevens, if you will. And then you'll see kind of this whole new wholesale market that gets formed where you see distribution hubs like an Amazon warehouse that hold a ton of inventory just for that last mile. And so I think that that's the direction it's going to go. Um, and I'm excited for it, honestly. What do you think, yeah. Brian? Um, I'm stoked for personalized recommendations. I can't wait for when I can go on and have someone say, hey, you love this THC CBD low dose edible? Try this one. And I, I, I am so stoked about that because now I walk into a dispensary. I'm completely overwhelmed. I know I've got to buy every single thing I can because it's a little <laughs> harder for me back home. But when I find those products that I love, I, I grip onto them and then I go into another dispensary and then they have, well, we don't have yeah. that. We have something like this, but it's, it's not that same type of personalized recommendation. So once we can get there, I, I'm just beyond stoked about just the availability of a wider range of products. And then the recommendations that come with the beautiful engine of having a clean data set that can provide those insights. Yeah, Brian, we'll sign you up for the beta, man. That's it. It's coming. Let me know. I'm in. I'm in. Cool. So, Sock, for those listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to learn more about iHeartTurn. Where can they find you guys? Hit us up on uh, on Instagram at underscore iHeartJane. Trying to get rid of that underscore. Uh, and then uh, hit us up at info at uh, iHeartJane.com. Um, we love hearing from everyone. What we can be doing better, what you guys love, where you want to see the product, or just to say, hey, uh, just let us know. Uh, we love hearing from everyone. Cool. We'll link it all up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks so much, guys. Really love your show. Appreciate doing it. what you're doing. Appreciate Thank it. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. 
If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.